Welcome to the Inner Feminine Beast Podcast, where I'm teaching you how to be the highest version of yourself that has the power, strength, courage, and clarity to claim the life you desire and have it emerge through here in the physical. This podcast will empower you to use the laws of the universe and align with your intuition, create big wins in business by teaching winning sales strategies and wealth practices, my secrets to healthier relationships, better health, and living like the fierce woman you are. I'm your host, Cynthia Stant, a dedicated student to metaphysics, a self-made millionaire, and a CEO. Let's get it going and unleash your inner feminine beast. Hello, hello, my inner feminine beasts and successful souls. You know what it is. It's another inner feminine beast interview. Today is extra, 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 extra special. So make sure you save this episode. Make sure you check out the descriptions and the links. You'll want to follow the person that we're talking to today because not only was she a former executive sales client of mine, she's also one of my business besties. This is a lady that I will sit with. I always talk about the power of proximity. This woman blows my mind. And at the same time, just helps to fulfill me. She holds space for me. I share my deepest secrets with her. I just was sharing a bunch of things with her beforehand. And you better bet she's going to be joining us and coming to St. Augustine in October for the Inner Phone and Beast in-person event as an honorary guest. So I'm going to be introducing you. I'm going to give you a little bit of an introduction before she comes live. But I also want to let you know today's episode is going to be a little bit different. I'm going to have her talk a little bit about her company. But what I wanted to do is kind of have you feel like you're a fly on the wall. You know, Suzanne and I have deep conversations all the time, and I want to show you what it means to be connected with other like-minded women, to, you know, have open conversations and to really be, again, using power proximity to increase your frequency and increase your abundance, not only with money, but of course, with just life and all the good things, better relationships. So today's guest is Suzanne Goldstein, and she is a transformation and success coach, a social entrepreneur and filmmaker and CEO of Dare Human. Now she holds a BS in mechanical engineering and an AB in theater and film studies from Cornell and is a master's in public administration from the Kennedy School of Harvard. Yeah, my friends, they go to Cornell and Harvard. (laughs) My favorite part though is like, she's so humble, by the way. I had to like make sure I got all this because she wouldn't say for herself. She's also a former Disney producer. You know, I love me some Disney. So I automatically fell in love with her just for that alone. But she's architected programs and built initiatives with the UCSF, Center for Health Professions, the U.S. Marine Corps, the Center of Public Leadership at Harvard, and Massachusetts General Hospital. Y'all, I would love for you to welcome my dear friend, Ms. Suzanne Goldstein. Hi, Suzanne. Hello. Oh, my gosh. I'm so happy to be here because I love when we get together and just chit-chat. My favorite. I was just thinking about this a second ago. This is so funny. I am going back to it. It was on my birthday two years ago, January 25th. And I remember we recorded, you were my very first interview for back then spiritual success, but the inner feminine beast podcast. (laughs) That's awesome. We go way back. You and I, I mean, that was back when I had hired you to help me when I first come online, learn how to sell online. And you said, I'm humble. I am the last person to toot my own horn. 
mostly because I've been in this industry more than longer than most of the people who are in this industry have been alive. And so I kind of let my work speak for itself. And I've been coaching for more than 30 years. I've been consulting for more than 30 years. I made movies when I was a young adult. I mean, it's wrote a book. I mean, I've done many, many things and it's been an incredible journey. And still there are pieces of this puzzle that I didn't know how to do. And one of them was like, how do you sell online? And so I hired you to help me and we became fast friends and it's just been like an epic journey together. And I am so excited to be in person with you. I can't wait to like, we're going to have to like carve out five whole minutes just for hugging because like it's been how many years that we've been doing these regular calls and with there's no hugging. I'm sorry. There yeah, no, um, I don't know how I'm going to walk in that room and just not lose my shit. Like I'm going to like be crying and like going to be an emotional, like it just the energy. I mean, so Kimberly Olson is one of my dearest friends who I talked to you about so much. She's going to be the master of ceremony at the event. And I talk to her every single day and I've only met her twice in person. You know what I mean? So like this little box, your cell phone has helped us to connect with people all over the world. And my nearest and dearest friends are my internet besties, (laughs) like my business besties. So yeah, I can't wait to meet you in person as well. I'm really looking forward to it. Well, it's Uh, funny because during the pandemic, everybody was so lonely and I'm like, I am not lonely at all. I'm making new friends all the time. I'm 58 years old and to make new friends cross-generationally during a pandemic when everybody was having a hard time and you and I were launching brand new businesses. I mean, I feel like we won. That's such a great thing to be able to say because so many struggled and so many lost lives, which is horrible. And then we thrived. And I think that there's a lot to be said in that. And the friendships that came out of it were just their true alchemy, right? It was how do you make lead into gold? And that exactly what we all did together. Yeah, it's really interesting how so many, I did not expect it, but how so many of my clients ended up becoming some of my near and dear friends. Like, it's interesting because I I really do believe it that all of the past clients that I have, all the current clients that I have and all the clients that I ever will have, I feel like I have a soul contract with them. It's Mm -hmm. like, we came here knowing that we were going to create a really big impact and that together, you know, combining forces, we really make a huger difference. I just can't believe that I work with such successful people who inspire me and just so freaking nice too. (laughs) That's the best. That's the best. Yeah. And I've always, it's funny. I've been in working for myself for 35 years. And one of the things I've always said is my clients become my friends and my friends become my clients. Mm -hmm. And you got to be really good at switching hats when that works. Right. Oh, of course. It's like, you know, when you're putting one hat on and you're taking one hat off, you even have to do this with your employees is to make sure they know when you're in boss mode versus when you're in friend mode, because The tone doesn't have to be different, but the intentionality is different. Mm -hmm. And I think the same happens when your friends become your clients and your clients become your friends. It's like you have to be able to just switch out in and out of these roles at different times. And I think that's part of the gift of the work that we do. Well, I think it's too, and your proof of this is that, and I tell my clients in the IFB inner circle of this as well, your client, your ideal client doesn't have to be you three to five years ago. And that's like what we're all taught. Like your client has to be three to five years because you need to like, What I remind everyone is most of us came from a corporate background, right? Most of us who are, you know, really taking business serious, we have a lot of education, college education, certifications. Even if you were in the corporate world, think about how many times that they put you through some kind of curriculum, some kind of like you had to pass these tests and classes. I know I did. Think about, you don't have your bookshelf behind you here, but I have mine. Like all these books that we read, all the mentors that we worked for, you are an expert at what you do. And sometimes 
it's not about being able to teach somebody everything you know, but you know something that's a gold nugget that somebody that's five years ahead of you doesn't want to spend time learning and just can come to you for that. You know, that's what I think is so interesting. So when people came to me, you know, in my first year of business doing $50,000 cash days, like from having one client pay that was because of the fact that I knew something and I knew it really well. And it's not like this grand scheme. It's just something that, yeah, I'd pay $50,000 if it helps me to make half a million. You know what I mean? So it's kind of interesting. I just want to encourage people, you know, in the first year of business, I'm able to have these kind of connections. And it's just because I owned my expertise and I didn't go and try to convince and, and fit into a box and really just understand through connection. You and I DM'd. Like, that's what everybody doesn't believe me. Like, tell everybody. Like, we DM'd each other. We, we DM'd each other. other. You actually reached out to me because mm-hmm. I joined the program and you were like, hey, I recognize you. You know, for my former career, I was kind of like a little bit of a, she engineered my celebrity. So I was going live quite a bit. You said, I recognize you. I can't believe you were fired. You know what? This is the best thing that's ever happened to you, but it started with a DM. And I yeah. always tell people that. It's called direct messaging, social media. Like, yeah. And it's true. I remember when you and I connected. And I also remember during that time in 2020, my mom was really sick and you had reached out to me a couple of times over DM before we really connected in 2021, early 2021 or late 2020. And you were like, how's she doing? And I thought of all of the people that I've connected online, you were the one who actually remembered that my mom was sick. Thank God she's well now. But you actually kept that relationship vibration at a very high place. And that's not what everybody does. You know, a lot of people come into your inbox and they want something or they want to sell you something. You actually came and built a relationship with me first. And that was really powerful. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, it's about serving and just like being real, like be authentic and care. I mean, I care about you. All right. So before we get started, just so everyone has a little bit better of an idea, tell us about your company, Dare Human. Thank you for that. Like the best name ever. (laughs) (laughs) It's a company and it's a movement. And what we're doing is we have a belief that every single person on this planet has the ability to be a force for good in their own life and a force for good in the world. And so what we've done is set up a model of change where we can take people through programming to help them really become a force for good in their own life so that they can start opening themselves up and be a force for good. And it doesn't have to happen in sequence, right? It can happen in parallel. You start to learn as you're being an ethical consumer, as you're being a socially responsible investor, as you're being a socially responsible consumer, as you're being a force for good in your own life, it is dovetailing with being a force for good in the world. They are not different. It's just we teach them in different methodologies because if you don't have what we call your deep emotional alchemy, if you don't have your deep understanding of yourself, your emotional intelligence, your personal power, your ability to lead yourself, it's really hard to be a force for good in the world. And the reason is that, and you've seen this, by the way, you have had a friend at some point in your life who went to work for the Red Cross or for Peace Corps or something. And after a few years, they just were completely burnt out because they did not know how to take care of themselves. They didn't know how to put solid boundaries up. They didn't know how to say no. So we start with your emotional intelligence and really build that. And from there, you can do anything in the world. And so what we do is encourage people to go through four archetypes, the alchemist, the artist, the accelerator, and the advocate. The alchemist I just talked about, the artist is literally the part of you that is the creator. 
And I don't mean just painting or sculpting. I mean, literally innovative problem solving. The one who has a purpose and a passion and knows how to connect to their true North Star and move forward in an aligned self-led way. So you're bringing your purpose and your passion to the world because that's going to make a difference. And then we activate people around an archetype called the accelerator, which is about getting shit done and making money because you can have the best idea in the world and you can be emotionally intelligent and you can take this idea and work in your parents' garage forever. And until you are ready to know how to get shit done and make money, it doesn't become a real company or a real product. Yes. And then after that, we say, go be the advocate, go and be the change you want to see in the world. Start acting that way, start being that way, start engaging in the world in that way. And then no matter where you go, it always comes back to the alchemy. So if, the, if you think about it as like an infinity sign, a vertical infinity sign, the top is the advocate, the bottom is the alchemist. And you know this, as soon as you make that next level of money, as soon as you have that next level of client, you're like, wait a sec, imposter syndrome, am I good enough? You gotta go back <laughs> no, to emotional right? intelligence and start all over again, right? So that's what Dare Human is all about. And I just feel so grateful to lead this company and this movement. Yeah, I love how you are so in line with what I always say too. It's not just what you do, it's who you are. And that's step one is to make sure you're doing it. And I always say as your IFB, your higher self, making sure that you are set in here because you're going to be the cause that creates the effect. But then you got to do shit. You got to get up. You got to make moves. It's not just about hoping, thinking, praying, wishing. It's about taking aligned action to get the aligned results. This is a side note, but I'm just going to put this out there. I always ask like Suzanne, I'm like, Suzanne, who's your marketing person? Who's coming up with all the branding? Who's, and she's like, it's me. I'm like, what? Like you should just have a company that does that because she has the sickest branding. She comes up with the best program names, just like the way that her, her copies ran. She has one of those profiles where she'll write like really long ones sometimes, but you read every single word because it's so like artfully done. And I'm like, man, like... <laughs> Can I hire you for that? But no, you feel the essence of her soul. Like her signature frequency goes into her work. You can uh, feel it. Thank you for that. This is definitely my life's work. You know, I've spent the past 30 some odd years building companies for other people. Mm -hmm. And I've made a lot of people a lot of money. I've put a lot of people on famous stages and in famous boardrooms. And it was time for me to start building a company for me. Mm -hmm. And it has been every emotional challenge you can ever imagine and also none of them because I feel like I was built for this and it was getting used to being the one in the front instead of the one I was like I stopped being a backup singer and I started being the you know the central character in my own play and it has been truly a gift and you know making friends along the way and having the support of other women who are also stretching to do incredible things I can't imagine a better life you know, speaking of famous boardrooms, so I want to make sure I get this correct, but something you and I have in common, but I just think is so impressive about you is that, yeah, okay. So she did Harvard. She taught at Harvard. She went to Cornell. She has books. You know, she has Disney movies at the age of 27, by the way, she did that. Um, the other thing that's really cool is that you, like me, have been the woman in a very masculine industry. Now I've been in the spirits industry. I was the state manager for Jim Beam Brands, literally one of four women in the world. You were one of the first executive women during the WWW era in boardrooms in Silicon Valley. <laughs> so you and I have vibed like that. I always joke around, but because of, you know, uh, my friend Suzanne, we are now talking, you know, across the country. You're in LA right now. I'm in Florida, but yeah. um, you're a big part of that movement. And so I think it's really important that people understand who we're listening to right now. It's pretty cool. Oh, thank you. Listen, I learned a lot working with men for a very long time. And the reason I primarily work with women now 
is because I spent the first 30 some odd years of my career working with men. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the companies that were hiring me to do things were run by men. And so there were times where I was in a conference room with a group of guys and we're working. And at the time I was architecting software. And I remember at the beginning of the web, this one guy, uh, I didn't know what RDBMS stood for. So I like excused myself to go to the restroom and I called my then boyfriend and I was like, Hey, I'm in a meeting. Can you tell me what RDBMS stands for? And he's like, Oh, it's about randomized databases. He took one minute, explained it to me and I'm a quick study. So I got it. I walked back in the room, pretended I had gone to the bathroom. I settled back into my seat. Some other stuff comes up. I think it's appropriate to ask questions when you don't know things. And this guy looked at me and he says, you're the stupidest effing person I've ever met in my life in front of like 20 people. Wow. And this is what happened when I, this was like 1995 or six. And it was crazy because the disrespect that I went through, and it's not just me, it's women of my age who really not grown up in the era of like, we're going to break the paradigm. And, you know, those of us who've been doing it for a long time have been trying to break the paradigm, but there wasn't a groundswell. I actually quit the job that day. I was like, nobody talks to me. Yeah, no, That's not how this world works. So I think that I look at people of your generation and I think I have so much hope for what's happening in the world because there were so many battles fought before me and I know I stood on their shoulders and I know that the next generation stand on the shoulders of people like me who were called an effing idiot in a room because I walked out and it, things start to change, right? So I just have so much hope for where this is all going. That's interesting that you say that because I, I say this and a lot of my clients will know and people I've trained personally. So I have trained probably hundreds of salespeople and thousands of entrepreneurs. I can say thousands on sales. And I can always tell you who the most successful salesperson is going to be when I have a group of them. I always know. It's always the person who asks the most questions. Like if you're not asking me questions, I'm very concerned. And I am the most annoying person to train. Like I'm so persistent. I ask so many questions. That's because I just want to learn from you and then take that information and apply it versus figuring it out on my own and looking cool and looking smart. I'm going to look a lot smarter when I'm on the top of that leaderboard because I asked questions, you know? So when my team doesn't ask questions, I get very concerned. And I always, you know, to dive deeper, to dig deeper, but yeah, that's crazy. And for me, I had that similar situation, but mine was always from women, which I think is even more. Yeah, I had those too. (laughs) Like there's a lot of mean girls in the corporate world, you know, it's really a shame, especially women that you thought would be your mentors and support you. Um, Well, I think what happened is they had to scrabble up that tower and it was so hard for them to scrabble up that when they got to the top, they took their high heel and they just shoved it in your head because they thought there's only one spot for women at the top. Yeah, And I'm going to just protect it. And that was such a bad precedent. Yeah, And it still happens in a lot of industries, still happens in banking, still happens in the legal profession. Like there's a lot of women who are my age and older who have gotten there and they're like, they are actually frightened to lose their perch. Mm-hmm. And I yep. think it's terrible. Yeah. There's been times that I've definitely been purposely embarrassed, purposely set up for failure. People that were supposed to be, you know, working with me, like, but are ahead of me. So they should be helping. I remember one time I had got a phone call at 9 PM at night from this person that, so I used to be a liaison. I used to represent the supplier, but I worked for the distributor and then the supplier reached out and they said, Hey, you have to do this huge presentation. It's from the boss's 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 boss. And you have to do it tomorrow morning. And I was like, it's 9 p.m. at night. They're like, yeah, well, I couldn't get it done. And so now it's your responsibility. They all know you're doing it. 
And it was like 90 decks I had to make on a PowerPoint. It was like insane. And I had to do this presentation. So I stayed up all night. And I really think it was because she didn't think I was going to get it done. Clearly, she didn't know who she was talking to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it went awesome. But I know that was like a punch. Like it was, it was to be set up for failure. And it's just, it's crazy. Well, let's talk about the idea you and I came in with. We were like, what do we want to share with the world? We were having so many great conversations lately. And one of the things that we both are very passionate about is talking about building conscious wealth, especially for women. And I'd love to ask you before we get into the subject, what does it mean for you when we say conscious wealth? Yeah. So for me, conscious wealth means wealth that is not hurting anyone or anything. It's wealth that is created without being on the backs of people. So I think back to when slavery was a thing and this, you know, many, many hundreds of years ago, and slavery was an economic system, right? And it was in the South of the US, people were having cotton farms and making fabrics and doing all the things. And they were competing with people in the Northern part of the country who were paying their cotton pickers, who were paying their people to manufacture cloth, right? So you can imagine one of these businesses was incredibly successful because they didn't have any labor costs. And one was not as successful because they did have a ton of labor costs. Those two companies can't compete, right? Mm -hmm. So when I think about building conscious wealth, it's not on the backs of people. And we don't have, well, we have tons of modern slavery. I don't even want to talk about that today. We have tons of it. But it's me building wealth in a way that is in integrity with my standards. And my standards are people first, planet second, profit third. And that's how I think about conscious wealth. People, planet, profit. Yeah. I think for me, that's... <laughs> That's what I love about you. You're always so moral and just so like caring. You know, me, I'm always thinking business regardless. Like, so for me though, I think it's important that I just witness it through so many women online because, you know, this is our world, this is our industry. And I, we both know women who make $2 million in cash a month, you know, at least. We know I have friends who are making $500,000 every month. Like, I sat at a table just this weekend where I was like the poorest girl. And I loved it, by the way, <laughs> but it was like, whoa, there's some big money out there. But a lot of times I see it through women having to do earned income. And so this means like they're working to make it. So whether, you know, they have big sales teams or not, they are putting out efforts in order to make this money. So they are doing masterclasses, conversion events, they're doing launches, they're doing all the things. And to me, that is a successful woman. That is to me though, a rich woman. For me, I'm not here to be rich. I'm here to be wealthy. And for me, that means not just having earned income, it's having passive income. Passive income that is actually creating good for other people as well. All of it's serving. But that's what it means to me. Like when I first hear conscious, like not just like focus on like doing all the things, but understanding how it works universally and how money, the energy of it. Um, but also too, I received a compliment one time from Tara Grace, who you'll be meeting in person next month. One of my first mentors is starting my business. This is the best compliment I ever got in my entire life. And she said, Cynthia, you are the wealthiest woman I know because of the amount of love that you have in your life. Mm -hmm. Just the love my husband and I have for each other, our partnership, our friendship, my cutie, patootie, little babies, you know, especially that chunky little redhead. I love him. <laughs> but he just like, I do. And I realized, you know, wealth is much different than rich. Wealth is you know, happiness in all areas of life. That's what true success is, not just business and finance. But I think it's important for women because they know how to make money, but it's like, what is your plan? Like, what is your out? And, you know, how are you going to use that money to create good, not just investing in anything because it gets your return, but something that creates an impact. And my husband and I, we think about it all the time. 
our income, my earned income, you know, we shift over, it'll turn into our real estate portfolio. This is homes over people's heads. This is us buying the shittiest house in the neighborhood and making it a better community. You know what I mean? And like, at the same time, it brings wealth to our family. So that's where my brain goes, but that's why they're both so good and our different perspectives. And it's interesting how you can say a word and two people can have completely different, you know, view on it. So, Hey, Hey, successful soul. Okay. So it's happening. The in-person inner feminine beast event is happening October 26th and 27th in St. Augustine, Florida. And here's the thing. I want not only you to come, but I want you to invite your business bestie. So now the platinum level tickets are buy one, get the second one complimentary. That's right. You and your friend can split the ticket costs and come and enjoy the most amazing IFB party of the year. We're talking about having breakfast and lunch included both days at the Casa Monica Resort, a four diamond resort. We're going to have private shuttle rides to take us onto the catamaran tour where we're going to enjoy catering, champagne, and sunset dolphin cruise. Then we're going to make sure that we have on the second night, a private trolley that takes us around the oldest city in America followed up with, of course, a poolside soiree at the Casa Monica Resort. Yes, it's happening now. Again, make sure you invite your bestie because it's get one ticket, get the second one complimentary. I cannot wait to see you there. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a huge movement afoot in the world about, you know, socially responsible investing and, you know, corporations these days are now doing what are called ESG measures. They stand for environmental, societal, and governance. Personally, I think most ESG measures are BS because I think, you know, there are a lot of companies who would like to call themselves ESG and they aren't. So if you're an investor and you go to meet with your portfolio manager and you're like, I'm interested in socially responsible stuff, make sure that they're not just giving you ESG stocks. That's just not how it works. But what I think is going to take to change the world that we live in, I mean, how many places right now in the world are flooded? Pakistan is flooded. Puerto Rico is flooded. There's fires in the West. There's water levels rising. Like I now, when I go look at property, I look at the riskfactor.com website and I look at 30 years from now, how flooded will that place be? Because this is where we're heading. And so to be conscious, to be fully conscious to me is to be looking at these different factors because it's okay to go just go make money. Mm-hmm. But what kind of money are you making and what kind of impact is that money making? I'll give an example. And I can get very political, so I'm not going to. This is not politics. This is truth. Yeah. In China right now, there is an entire ethnic minority called the Uyghurs. They're Muslims and they have been enslaved in China. And a lot of luxury goods that come to the U.S. and other places are made there mm-hmm. by slave labor, unpaid in living in horrible conditions and not treated like human beings. I will never buy something that is made by Uyghur slaves. And because I know that, I won't buy anything made in China because I want to avoid that potential. Yeah. So like, how do we start to lift our own view out of our own self and start looking at it as the global impact that we're having with the purchasing decisions that we're making and even with the selling decisions that we're offering? You definitely live a beautiful lifestyle. I mean, you, you're by coastal you hop from your penthouse in Boston, and then you head over to LA, your beautiful setup I see behind you. I mean, and I like the finer things in life too, but it's really kind of exhausting where you see online, like every single post is just about 
luxury and you know it's just about you know the Louis Vuitton bag and yes I have them and yes I like those things but I also make my brand because a brand again is a prompt experience it really is the essence of your soul the essence yeah. of my soul is not materials it is not just luxury it is standing for something it's about you know seeing possibilities it's about having courage to say yes it's about doing something different but it seems like I feel like a lot of brands have been made on based off just making money you see it every month you can go on your phone right now, had a $20,000 cash day, had a $30,000 cash month. Had a, and it's like, it's just cash, 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 cash. Well, I want to know what are you doing with your cash? I want to know, you know, <laughs> at the same time, like, what is it that you are investing in or caring about? Or you won't see that in your feeds. It's not there. Well, it's interesting because when I do celebrations of cash, which are very, very frequent, though, I make plenty of money. I always say like when I make a lot of money, I buy meals for Feeding America. But it's really interesting because people don't care about that. Yeah. They care that you're making lots of money because they think by proximity, they're going to make lots of money. That's actually not true. That you're only going to make lots of money if you're proximate to someone making lots of money and you tap into your version, not yeah. their version of what's going to happen. This is why I have such issues with the word mentorship online right now. And it's become a thing like, oh, I'm not a coach. I'm a mentor. I was like, I love coaching. Yeah. I think coaching is so valuable. And I think of my mentor as my 96-year-old man who's been mentoring me for over 30 years. Mm -hmm. And like, he's my mentor. He has life experience that he shares with me about everything, yeah. right? Whereas online, you've got to figure out what's your offering and you can't replicate what someone else does. So the consciousness in this to me becomes how do we look through what we're seeing posted for the reality. So I know a lot of people online who make a ton of money, but they have no money in their bank account. Right? <laughs> Where does it go? What are they doing? Like, what are you, what are you seeing? Or I don't know, I smell fishy. And I think, you know, people are smart. You know, we're 5% conscious, 95% subconscious. We know something. Yeah. There's a lot of money coaches not making money. There's a lot, a lot of money. coaches who aren't making sales. Yeah, it's easy to write a post. But I think well, people are smart. When I came online, like my test for myself that first real year was like, can I make money by not selling, making money? Can I make money by selling, building conscious businesses, yeah, yeah. building social entrepreneurs, like mm -hmm. people who are doing things that want to make a difference in the world. Now, are the people in my world like inventing a new kind of water pump? No, that's not where I'm at now. It's who I used to work with. And I still work with some big people, some big companies doing some big things, but what I care about is whatever industry someone's in, whatever their focus is, are they looking at it in a 360 degree way? Yeah. Or are they just looking at it straightforward where the money goes? And that to me is, I think the difference is when you really open yourself up to the 360 degree thinking, it's what are you leaving behind? I always say if women had invented nuclear power, they never would have done it without figuring out how they were going to clean it up afterwards. Yeah, yeah, true. This wouldn't have happened. When I was fired from my previous position, I had a non-compete. And so I was like, what am I going to do? I'm a business consultant. I'm a sales coach. Or like, or I'm going to be like, you know, I'm going to make it up as I go, but this is what I know. And I couldn't. So I went with my other passion because it really is, even if you are somebody, um, you're multiple seven figure entrepreneur and I'm training your sales teams. Like the very first thing we do is understand vision casting. We understand knowing our why we understand understanding that this is energy and that like it's emotional connection that we're really, you know, supporting people with. And so it's not just what you do, as we said, it's who you are. So I coached mastering as far as mindset, meditation, metaphysics, and manifestation. But I also, from a business standpoint, am really proud that I was able to do that. 
because I was showing people, I don't just teach making money. I don't just sell making money. I know how to like create an impact and actually teach something that's intangible. And people say that's so hard to do. It's not if you're really aligned with it. And we became a multiple six-figure company in six months. And it was because the alignment part, like you said, finding your voice just was in Nashville this past week with poor Kimberly Olson at her event, like a gold digger. And it was so interesting. I'm pretty sure I was the last speaker, one of the last speakers. And I listened to every single person there. And it's almost like we basically swapped each other's outlines, our presentations. We were all saying the same things. And the thing that I heard over and over and over again from each person was one, decide. Like you just have to decide. You have to commit like you're jumping out of an airplane, which is something I see all the time. Every single person in one other way basically talked about how important vulnerability is and how it's really, I always say it's your biggest superpower. And every single person talked about how it's not, you know, you have to have so you can do, and then you'll be happy. You have to be that. And then you'll know what to do so that you can have, like it's the other way around. So it's really interesting, but every single person said that. At the end, I was like, hey guys, I'm going to say this thing again. If you didn't get it by now, like <laughs> I'm concerned for you, but listen to every person on the stage. We're saying the same things. It's really interesting. I that... think it's fascinating. Sorry, finish up. No, 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 you're good. You're good. Just we're all over the world, different people, different businesses, different clientele. I think it's fascinating that the world is getting opened to energetics. And for those of us who have been working in the world of manifestation, whether it had the word manifestation or not, like, I remember, I, you know how I got my very first job out of school. I sat on the lawn. Oh my gosh, can we, can we tell the story? Like, I want people, to, this is my favorite story ever, but finish your thought and then you have to tell the story because it's so good. <laughs> yeah, I just the idea that there's energetics in the world. And until you really get what we mean by matching the vibrational frequency of the thing you desire, you have no idea what it is. So the easiest example of this is like, you want a guy and he's hot and he's wealthy, and he's funny, and he's tall, and he's kind, and he's got a great job, and he has plenty of money, blah, 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 right? And you want that. And if you are vibrating at such a level where you have self-doubt, you think you're 10 pounds overweight, so you don't feel comfortable, whether you're 10 pounds overweight or not doesn't matter. It's that you don't feel comfortable in your body. It's that you're not happy in your job. You're not going to attract that man because you're at different levels. You can't see my hands, but one is low and one is high. There is a mismatch in the energy of that. And what people don't understand, I think a lot, and it's becoming more something that people talk about, certainly talked about in our business a lot, but I think it's seeping out into the rest of the world a little bit more, is this idea that we have to become the energetic match. It's not that we're hoping that the person who's that high frequency will dive down and like pull the, us up with them. It's that Lots we become that frequency. And then they're like, oh, right, there you are. Right. And I think it's the same thing with business. Like my business has been really, I'm going to touch. What did I say this? My business has been so easy to launch. And, you know, I don't have a desire to have million dollar months. I don't have a desire to have a hundred thousand dollar months. It would be fine if it happened. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't matter to me. I've become wealthy 10 times over doing other things in my life. I'm here to change the world. And that means that I have to show people what that new energetic frequency is all about. You know what? I've noticed this. I launch all the time because, you know, I love to sell and <laughs> it's fun. And I'm an expert at it. I have fun with it. I connect with people. I share my gifts. I teach. I, I extend invitations for people to come to our world. But there are times where something does not go the way you expect it to go, right? <laughs> and, you know, sometimes we get zeros. I'll say it. I get zeros. Sometimes I get ones or twos when I was thinking it was going to be a 10. But I never cry about it. I used to. I, I used to. I never get upset anymore. 
I never do. Cause I swear I'm not going anywhere. Like I'm not going anywhere in the context of all of it. Like, so what if one launch, if your business depends on one launch, like you're not going to do very well, <laughs> like not just from a financial side, like this is like, there's going to be ups and downs and all that. So I just feel like I made a promise to God, like I'm going to be here. And at the same time, I really believe whatever you put out there is what you get back. And I'm constantly very intentional of putting my best out there. And so I feel like whatever's divinely mine is rightfully mine. Like nothing's created, nothing's destroyed. And if I feel, you know, this is a multiple seven figure company, like it's there. I know it. I'm claiming it, not hoping, like I know it. So I just keep going. I know how important momentum is. I know how important it is just to keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. That's like the biggest feat I ever see women experience is like, it goes bad and they get really sad and they just stop. That's the most dangerous thing you can do. Staying where you're at is far more dangerous than taking step four, not knowing what you're going to do. Facts like, thank you. Just inspired me. I'm putting my notes together for the masterclass next week. <laughs> All about momentum of making money. It's about just moving, moving, moving with unshakable faith and knowing this. You know, it's funny. I teach this masterclass once a year called Subscribed. Yes. And... <laughs> but the article, the magazine, I'm telling you, when I saw that, I called you. Do you remember? I was like, Suzanne, we need to catch up because I just saw this marketing of yours and it's so dope. It's so good. <laughs> but subscribe. Right? Yeah. So it's called Subscribed and it's about subscribing in yourself because you can't get other people to subscribe into you until you subscribe in yourself. And I wanted to really show people that even me, who's been a successful entrepreneur for a very long time, came online. And in my first year, I ran 46 offerings. Well, I offered 46 offerings. Not all of them ran. And so I go through them. I go through all the graphics. Aim. This one failed because my energy wasn't behind it when I launched. Or this one didn't go well because I actually was too afraid of the price point. Or this one, and I go through which ones succeeded, which ones failed. And people, the biggest takeaway from that class Besides the fact that they make, you know, that magazine covers and they actually start developing their content outlines by creating the magazine, the biggest takeaway is how many failures I've had and how they don't stop me. And so there's a difference between building a business for the long run and a sustainable business. Like you don't have to go from zero to a million dollars in a year to be successful. Do the slow burn growth. Why not? You've got time. Enjoy the ride. Yeah. It's about committing to the mastery of becoming. <laughs> no, that's really cool. All right. Tell everybody the story. I know you should like literally the last podcast, but it was a long time ago. They're not gonna be able to find it. Share the story of how you got the job as a Disney producer. Oh, the Disney job, not the national theater one. Wait, the one with the five people. Was that oh, for yeah. Okay. That was that's a that different. Was so the okay. national theater one is the one where I sat on the lobby of the national theater for eight straight days until someone would talk to me. <laughs> you didn't tell me that one, but I love you for that. I know I, every interview if I've ever gone through what I really wanted, they would ignore my phone calls and eventually they would answer and be like, you're the most persistent person I know. I'm like, hello, I'm going for a sales position. what do you think? They're like, you're right. You're right. You're hired. <laughs> yeah. but, um, no, I love the one with the five people and the five, like that and one. Networking by fives. Yes. This is so good. Get ready. all write this down. You're going to love this. So I had been in the film business in London. But back in the day, the film industry in London and the film industry in Hollywood were completely separated because we were pre-internet, pre-email, pre-anything. So it was like, if you broke into the industry over there, it had nothing to do with the industry over here. Mm -hmm. So I got to Hollywood and I literally knew one woman and she was a theater producer that I knew from when I lived in New York. And so I called her up and I was like, hey, I moved to LA. Can I come see you? And she's like, yeah, sure. I'd love to see you. I don't know what it would be about, but I'm like, I don't know. You're like in the city. Can I come? So I go to her office one evening and she's running late, which was 
classic. And there's this guy who comes in a few minutes later and he's like, hey, you know, I'm here to see so-and-so. And I'm like, me too. And her name was Barbara Ligeti. I'll never forget her. In fact, we recently reconnected him on Facebook. And this guy's name was Larry. And I was so nervous that I was sitting next to a stranger. I was 24 years old. And I was like, so um, tell me about you. Because, you know, the best way to get a conversation going is to ask someone questions about themselves. So he's telling me about what he does. And he's kind of like peripherally related to the film industry, but not straight up in it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you ask people questions about themselves for long enough, they become interested in you because That's they love how they feel. Mm -hmm. And so at some point he turns the conversation around. He's like, so why are you here? And I said, oh, I'm new in town. I'm looking to break into the business. And he's like, oh, what do you want to do? And I tell him I was a director's assistant for an Academy Award winning director when I was in London. And I really would like to find a director to work with here. I want to be a director someday. And he's like, oh, do you have a resume? And of course, back then, resumes were paper. So I handed him three and I was like, do anything you want with it. Like paper, the bathroom. I don't care. Like I would just, you know, if you know anybody. So that was a Thursday and I went home that night and I promptly got the flu. And I was like laid out for the next four days. And on Monday morning, the phone rings and this voice says, hi, my name is Bettina Viviano. I'm calling from Steven Spielberg's company, Amblin. I hear you're new in town looking for a job. And I am 100% sure that it is my friend Lee who is taking the mickey out of me because I had told him about this whole scenario. And I'm like, Lee, stop it. She's like, uh, no, my name is Bettina Viviano. Anyway, Bettina worked for Steven Spielberg. Who, when I lived in London, I had started writing letters to Steven Spielberg saying, I hear you're looking for a new assistant, which by the way, the assistant wrote me back and said, I'm his assistant and he's not looking for someone new. <laughs> Move lady. <laughs> and so I went in and saw this woman, Bettina, and we start talking and she's like, do you know what coverage is? And I said, yes, having no freaking clue what coverage was. And so she's like, great, I'd like to send you home and cover a bunch of scripts. I'd like them to be on my desk tomorrow morning. I'm like, okay. And I had this like thought. I was like, okay, I just moved here from London. So can you give me a sample of coverage from another one? And I'll copy the format. And she's like, oh, great idea. So she gives me a sample of some coverage. I go home that night. I stay up until four in the morning, yep. like typing out coverage. Coverage, by the way, is like a book report and whether or not you would recommend to make this movie. And I fax them into her at four in the morning. And I know I'm meeting her at nine in the morning the next day. So I have five hours. And all I could think was, I never want to cover another script as long as I live. And here I have in the door at Steven Spielberg, my hero's company. How am I going to tell her I don't want to work for her? Yeah. So I drive in and I have this drive on pass that says, you know, Suzanne Goldstein to see Steven Spielberg. I go in and I see Bettina. She looks at the coverage that I've done. We start and we talk. And somehow it kind of comes together that she thinks I'm overqualified for the job and I don't want the job. And yeah. she's like, you know, I think we should be friends. And I'm thinking, hmm, this is a really good idea. Because instead of booking her to go to lunch with someone else, I can be the person who can have lunch with her. Mm -hmm. So I suddenly went from being her employee to being her peer group. Right. And so I said to her in a flash, hey, I have this idea. Now that we're friends, you know, <laughs> would you mind introducing me to five of your colleagues who might be willing to spend five minutes with me to tell me what they do so I can really get a lay of the land here in town? She's like, oh, that's a, that's a great idea. So she writes down five names with their numbers, because again, pre-email, 
I call every single one of them. I was scared to death. But this is that constant mo motion, right? Even when you're terrified, you're like sweating in the background. Hi. So I called each of them and I said, hello, my name is Suzanne Goldstein, Bettina Viviano from Amblin suggested I call you. Well, as soon as you have a recommendation from Amblin, you're like in like Flynn. So would you have five minutes for me to hear about what you do on Look and Learn Landscape? So I'd go meet these people and I would ask them questions about themselves and just understand how they got to where they were. And that five minutes always turned into 20 because people book in 30 minute slots. And after 20 minutes or so, if they liked the question, they'd say, so tell me about you. And I'd be ready with my, I wanna be a director's assistant. I'm new in town. I worked for John Schlesinger when I lived in London. I'm really looking to break in here. Great, do you have any resumes? I'd hand them three. And I'd say, feel free to paper it. And if I felt like we had a good connection, if I felt like they actually meant that they were interested in me, which by the way, this is the biggest point of this story because it doesn't work the other way. I would say, would you be willing to give me the name of five of your friends who might be willing to talk to me for five minutes like this so I can keep meeting people in town? And so most of them said yes. And by the time I had been in LA for five weeks, I had met 54 people. And then one day, because I, at that time, was very masculine energy overachieving, I was like, I give up. I've been here five weeks. I cannot believe I haven't broken into Hollywood. And of course, I didn't know it takes like three years to break in. So I was like, what do you mean? I'm not like the head of a studio yet. So I think. <laughs> so I went out to the mall as a good suburban girl would do. And there were these pair of boots and I had like $111 in my bank account. I mean, like nothing. And there's no way I could buy boots, but it's just not a possibility. So I was like, okay, I'll trudge up to the payphone. This was pre-cell phone. And I will check in with my answering service and see if anybody's called. So I go up, I put the quarter in or it was a dime back then. And I call the answering service and they're like, oh, you've got a call from Disney. I was like, Disney? Are you kidding? Huh? And so she gives me the number. I call the people at Disney. They're like, hey, you know, we're staffing a new movie. This director is looking for an assistant. And your resume appeared in our pile 11 times. And would you like to come in and meet? And so that's how I broke into Hollywood. And it was unbelievable. But honestly, it's how I broke into the dot-com industry when I went into the dot-com industry. It's how I broke into social entrepreneurship when I decided that I was going to make the move over there. It's just an incredible method. So I call it networking by fives. It's really gotten me everywhere I wanted to go in life. I love it. That's the coolest story. And it's so funny because, you know, like you said, I was, I was laughing a little bit. You're like, I think it was a quarter, no wait, a dime. You know, you had the pay phones, you had a fax, you had to do, was it a typewriter or was it a lap? Like, did you have laptops? No, I had my own laptop, but I had to go somewhere to fax it. Yeah, fax it. And, and then you had to like meet these people in person because you're not, you know, DMing or Zooming and all of that. I did the exact same thing, but with modern technology. So it's even easier. <laughs> it's so easy. Well, and I remember the first time I told you this story, you're like, oh, I'm going to start doing that. And I remember your business blew That's up. That's actually, you're right. I was like, you know, screw it. Why don't I? It's social media. It's direct messaging. First year of my business, you know, how do you have a Kimberly Olsen? How do you have a Marina Simone? How do you have Kathleen Cameron as your accountability partner? What? Like, how do you have, I always talk about Chris Jarvis, who's business partners with uh, Jack Canfield. We had several phone calls just hanging out. I had every one of his books signed and he was a podcast guest. Who else? Like, gosh, there's just look at our podcast guests. It's been nuts. Everyone, I swear I didn't send a pitch. I don't pitch by the way. I just invite, <laughs> I connect and I just like get my energy behind my value and then be excited to serve. And I never say, what can I get from you? What can I get from you? I say, what can I offer you? You know? Yeah. 
one of the biggest things that I've noticed in the networking I do, and the networking I do is slightly different in the sense I do have a lot of business besties and that's been amazing, but I also do a lot of networking in the world of social change. And so there's people like Martin Rutte, who is running the Heaven on Earth movement. And there's people from the Bridge Alliance who are working on really bringing together the sides of the divide, because I've done a lot of work in that myself with a TV show I made. And what I do at the end of every call is I say, what can I do for you? How can I help you? And people are so shocked because I actually authentically mean it. Like if you need something from me, I will do my best to hook you up because I know that this is just constantly paying it forward. And it is so surprising to me how shocked people are when I ask them how I can help. Yeah. So, okay. Success leaves clues and I'm constantly observing, I'm not judging. I'm not labeling. I'm just observing. And I'm taking the things that feel right and leaving the things that don't. And I was just with the ladies in the IFB inner circle this week. And I was talking about my experience of sitting at the table with several multiple eight figure people. And it was interesting because after the convention, I came home and my DMs were full from these people. Now I'm the new girl. Okay. You know, I'm the financially speaking, probably less than all of them and brand new in the industry, many of them 30 plus years. And they're reaching out to me. Yaya Bakar, if you don't know him, you would love him. Okay. But okay. he was the master of ceremony. And I reached out. And I, I heard said, him introduce you. I saw that video. Yeah, that's him. And I just said it was so nice meeting you. He responds. He says, Cynthia, my girl, no strings attached. Whenever you need something, hit a boy up, like hit me up. He's like, I got you. He's like, I I'm good at this. I'm good at that. I know a lot of people in this area, just reach out. Love you. You're amazing. Let's stay connected. And so did every other DM and I'm paying attention. I know they know what they're doing. It's also the kindness of the heart, but success leaves clues. When you get a certain high level, you realize it's not about who do I need? Who can I sell? How can I convince them? Ooh, if I look like I'm saying this and give them that, then I'll get that. It's not about getting. When you give, you'll get way much more when you do it with the right energy behind it. That's why all those people there are successful. They understand connecting to people. Taylor Thompson was there. She did a whole entire speech about getting up and getting in front of people. She talked about how she used to put her kids into a shopping cart and just walk around the grocery store with nothing in her groceries, nothing in her cart, just talking to people, you know, and she became the top network marketer in the world. Her husband's the co-founder of Herbalife, right? Like this is from just talking to people. And so this is everything. Do you see the conversation? I want people to listen. Do you see the conversation Suzanne and I are having? This is our norm. We just take time out of our day and we're like, we're connecting this way because this fulfills us. It expands our awareness. It helps us to raise our frequency. And we always sum up with like, what do you need help on? What do you need support on? I can, can I share one more thing? One quick thing. So I'm a big Star Trek fan. Really? Um, oh, huge Star Trek I, fan. I have my rings on. There you go. <laughs> Live long and prosper. Gene Roddenberry was a genius. And for those of you who think Star Trek is really geeky, you got it all wrong. Star Trek is social science fiction. And it's about a world where money no longer exists because people generously give to society what they can and they take what they need, not greedily. And it's a beautiful world. And because we've solved all human problems, we can now go out into space and we can encounter other cultures and get to know them. And the first interracial kiss happened on that show in the 1960s. I mean, it was really progressive, really, really cool show. I am a huge fan and so many people are against this, but I think it's a really important part of growing one's business. I'm a huge fan of the barter system. Like if I could live in a money-free society, I would. And I'm not talking, I want to be a socialist or a communist. I'm talking about the energetic exchange. Like I don't need dollars to come in to energetically exchange with someone. 
And so one of the things that I helped me found places where we could find equal but different energetic exchanges to support each other. And what it has done is I have created the most glorious foundation of like coaches and mentors that I'm supporting and they're supporting me because we're each in our zone of genius, helping each other out. And if you can't afford a high cost coach, if you can't get into a high cost mastermind, like there are other ways to get involved by really being the kind of person that Cynthia and I are talking about, because we want to work with people who get it. We want to work with people who have a huge heart. We want to work with people who actually give a shit about the planet and the world and humans. That's who we hang with. And so I think however you get there, yeah, we get to make lots of money and there's lots of ways of being in the world. I remember when I first became friends with you, I was telling you how I was looking into different masterminds because that's like the next step to do. And definitely there's a lot of wonderful masterminds out there for sure. But I remember I was like looking just to get into the circle. I just wanted to have like big conversations and be inspired. And honestly, your frequency changes. It does. Like when you're around really high vibing people, you automatically get pulled up. And so I wanted to find that room. And I was telling you, I was like, dude, she's charging 65,000 for this one. She's got 50,000 for that one. That one's a hundred thousand. I'm considering, but let me, and then I was just like, you and I were said, why can't we do this ourselves? Like, why can't we just, you know, reach out? And it's just been so easy. Ayo, a, a good friend of mine, she's the same age as me, seven figure business owner. She's from Bulgaria, goes to South Africa, you know, lives in Costa Rica. She's in Canada right now. It's just like, this girl's on fire launching online and doing all the things connection on a DM. She liked my story. I said, girl, thank you for liking that. Coming from you means a lot because I see all your stuff. She goes, I see your stuff. And I said, let's connect. She goes, okay. Next thing you know, every other Friday in the summer, we were reading books together. We were connecting. Like, it's so easy and so beautiful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When I first came online, I would be in group classes that I was taking and I'd watch the comments and people whose comments I really enjoyed. I'd literally reach out to them in DM and I'd say, would you like to get on a Zoom and have coffee? <laughs> Right. And I met so many people at the beginning. It's how I created my friend group, because otherwise I felt like, you know, I'm a woman of a certain age in a very young industry and I didn't want to feel separate from. And so I started just making incredible friendships, including with you. And I think that we often think that DM means sleazy and salesy and gross and AI, and we're going to get you 10,000 leads or, you know, we'll book you 40 phone calls in a day. I'm like, oh my God. I wonder God. how those people's businesses are if they think that. <laughs> I can't imagine booking 40 phone calls in a day. I would throw up. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and I launched a very successful mastermind. I know you have as well. And, and my mastermind conversations, it's very much a sisterhood. It's very much conversational everybody gets coaching every week but they coach each other too yeah and that's part of the power of it my clients are doing work together many of my clients have hired my clients and I say a-okay I think if there's anybody who's going to you know have success I want it to be my ladies and that's a part of being in a group as well every single one-on-one -on -one client I have goes into the group container because you're not supposed to do this alone it's impossible <laughs> wait, wait besides, if you are somebody who says fine I'm in it for the money Okay. <laughs> well, where does money come from? From people. There's no machine that sucks it. I'm just, you know, you know, magnifying money. No, you're not. You have to be in your power and magnify people in their power who are willing to invest. Like that's what you're doing. So it's a people's game and yeah. you are my people. <laughs> I love yeah, you so much. Too, and I cannot wait to hug you in just over a month. I am so excited. I have booked my room. I am coming in. 
I'm thrilled. I can't wait to meet all the ladies. I'm so excited for our, our little booze cruise. We're going to soiree. We're going to soiree. We're going to have the drones videotaping us. We're going to have photo shoots. We're going to uh, poolside soirees. We're going to rent the trolley and hit the town and get private tours of the oldest city in America. It's going to be really fun. I so so uh, where's the best place for people to follow you other than the Interphone Beast in-person event? <laughs> <laughs> Well, first they should follow me there because I think if you want to come hang, I will have a conversation with you. It'll be a blast. But if you cannot make it to St. Augustine or you're still on the fence about St. Augustine, I know there's some specials going on right now, which I think you should talk about as soon as I'm done with this. I would say the easiest place to find me is Instagram, which is follow Suzanne, F-O-L-L-O-W-S-U-S-A-N-N-E. I also have a group on Facebook called Dare Human. You just type in Dare Human, you will find us, one word. And I'm Suzanne Goldstein. So like basically those are the places to find me. I'm on LinkedIn too. Sometimes I do TikTok, but quite honestly, like I think Instagram and my Facebook group are the best places. Perfect. And we'll make sure for the listeners to leave the the links in the uh, comments here. So Suzanne, it's always a pleasure. I'm so happy we got to do this. Thank you for being guests. Look forward to meeting you in person. And for everybody else, until next time, acknowledge it. Embrace it. See you through. Thank you for listening to the Inner Feminine Beast podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe and leave a review. I check my reviews every week and each one truly does mean so much. So thank you. And also, if you want to keep the conversation going, be sure to visit my website, innerfemininebeast.com to join our communities. And so you can also connect with women who are on the same journey. I can't wait to see you on the inside.